that has ever overcome your life. There is no rival that could ever stand against your mind. You've always been with us. Every battle you've already won, we've already won.
church are thankful for us being like praise. And we can offer our voice and we can lift our hands. We can glorify the Lord and Jesus fill the room. I'm so thankful that we get to praise the Lord of Lords. We get to lift up that name that's above every name. Thank you, Jesus. So good to see all of you here. We're so thankful for all of our visitors that you decided to be here with us today. If you haven't already filled out one of those visitors' cards, if you could return one of those to our visitors' desk, we have a gift of our appreciation we'd love to give to you because we are so blessed to have you here in Indian Village. Amen. Let's remember tonight, this is the last Sunday of the month, so tonight we will not be having service. We'll be with our families tonight. And tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, we will be in the new building having Bible study, listening to what the Lord has to say. Amen? I believe somebody's going to be baptized in the name of Jesus today. We got a, a young man here today. They had a conference up in Bastrop. And Brother Dill and Sister Taylor took our youth up there. And they had a tremendous time. I'm going to get him to tell us a little bit about it a little bit later on. But this young man has been coming uh, Sunday mornings. Uh, I know he's connected to Tristan. But since then, uh, Brother Dylan has made contact with him. And if I understand it right, they're fixing to do a Bible study. And he, he stepped in my office this morning. I said, hey. Are you ready? Man, he came in with a smile from ear to ear. I thought for a minute there he'd already been baptized. But he is so excited about being baptized in Jesus' name. Church, we're witnessing a great harvest that God is bringing. And notice, you notice who we've been baptizing? Young people. That's our next generation. God's going to use these young people in a mighty way. You ready? A.J. Graffy. My brother, upon the profession of your faith and obedience to the Word of God, I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Lift your hands, church, and let's rejoice with A.J. Father, by the authority of your name, I want you to keep him, protect him, cover him, and use him in the name of Jesus. Use him in a miraculous way, God. Let him be a weapon for your kingdom that would cause many people to come to the knowledge of truth. I pray it in Jesus' name. If you're thankful for what God's doing, why don't you clap your hands to him one more time and rejoice for the goodness of the Lord that is leading people to repentance.
for kingdoms as far as eyes can see. And all your robes they rule for thrones, waging wars they overthrow the weak and call it victory. My king is known by his mercy. My king is known. Yes, he 
Time. 
God, rest on minds and hearts and spirits and bodies today. In Jesus' name, I believe that people are leaving strengthened today in the name of Jesus. People are living with more peace today in the name of Jesus. There's restoration in the name of Jesus. And I thank you in advance for the work of the Holy Ghost. If you believe it, why don't we give them a hand clap of praise? I believe God's doing something today. In Jesus' name, why don't we lift our hands and let's involve our heart with everything we do. Every verse we sing, every prayer, every praise, let's let our heart be with it. Why don't we give it all to the Lord for a little while?
of that song because the enemy would like to take them out of the church but here's what God's telling you you and I today the enemy can't have them the enemy can't have our children as long as there's worship and praise in a church the enemy can't have them praise is our weapon worship is our weapon I thank God for young people that ain't worried about people's opinion and just worships him and praises him and leaps for joy and gives God an expression that's beyond the comfort level of what you and I feel. Where the enemy meant it for harm, you're praying every time. Blake, I ain't trying to embarrass you. 
hear me every time I see you leap for joy. It tells me over and over if God can move on you to leap for joy, there ain't nothing that God won't do for you. If you're willing to give God your all like you do on this Sunday morning. I wonder if there's somebody else here this morning. God wants to give you one more chance. Maybe you can leap for joy. Maybe you got legs that can move. Maybe you got a hand that you could raise. Maybe you got a voice. Why don't you give him that today? If it be the lifting of your feet, just give him an expression. Heaven will move for you if you can let him know through praise and worship. Jesus. Praise is our weapon. Praise is the weapon of the church. Praise is the weapon of the church. You show me a praising church. I'll show you a church that's filled with miracles, signs, wonders, salvation, and deliverance. The early church was a praising church. They threw them in prison and they still praised them. They were sick in their body and they still praised them. Their families were tortured and persecuted and they still praised them. There's one thing the enemy can't ever take is your praise. If you can praise him, it will move heaven for your behalf. have gotten into an intellectual society, a lazy society, an apathetic society that says just kind of tell me something that's going to be good on my hearing. This whole thing, the Word of God that you and I read operates by one component, my submissiveness to it. And what's a sign of my submissiveness, Sister Helen, is this one thing. That when it comes time to find God, I'm willing to do whatever it costs to find Him. And when God can find somebody that's willing to throw caution to the wind, public opinion to the wind, my identity to the wind, and say, God, I'm here for you and you alone. I'm not here for my friend. I'm not here for my neighbor. I'm not here to make anybody happy. I'm here to make you happy that kind of spirit and heart attracts God and that's what we have done here today young people have attracted God young couples have attracted God prime timers age, different age groups have attracted God it doesn't matter how old you are, Brother Ed, or how young we are, Hank, if we can ever learn to praise him from the youngest to the oldest. Our young people got away. They raised the money, used the money for their trip. It was planned for NAYC, big youth convention. They canceled it. And in its place, they went to Bastrop, where they have youth quake lined up with tremendous men of God. I, I mean, I heard some of the young men that were there, men that are anointed. Matter of fact, one of them is going to be with us coming up uh, in, a, in a month or two. And uh, just tremendously 
uh, used of God. I, I caught a clip, a piece of it. And when I heard what he was preaching, I, it just sounded, it, it just was right. It's where we are. They're all, we're all saying the same thing. That's why what we're hearing in our pulpit is no different than what everybody else is hearing out there. There's a shaking and a stirring in the church and in our young people and in our young couples. We are really living in the best days of the church. Why? The coming of the Lord is close, but right before his coming, there's going to be a great, great harvest. I believe that's going to come to the house of God. I want Brother Dylan Riley to come and briefly just kind of give you a, a synopsis of what God did this weekend. Uh, this weekend was just, or this Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we left out Wednesday and we came back home Saturday. And first and foremost, I want to thank each and every one of you for when we have a youth event, y'all are the first ones to support us and to help us. And without you guys, it would make it so much harder on us to be able to attend those things. So I thank you for that. Thank you for participating when we have things. It really means more than you'll ever know. But besides all of that, just a brief synopsis of what happened this week. Every man of God, all five men preached on the same, in the same vicinity and they come from all different places, not knowing what one would preach or the other. But it was all on holiness, standards, oneness, infilling of the Holy Ghost, baptism in the name of Jesus. And I'm so thankful. Oh, I'm so thankful. Whenever we, whenever they, uh, they didn't even have to wait to give an altar call. And I've got a, I've just got to brag on our young people. They were the first ones to the altar. The first ones worshiping and shouting, running the aisles. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. And I want to say this one thing and then I'll, I'll stop. But I, I, tons of people received the gift of the Holy Ghost throughout the whole thing Friday. And I know it's not about numbers and I'm going to come about that and I'm going to say something else about that. But Friday night there was close to 900 and something young people praising and worshiping God. We're living in a day of revival. It's not dead. It's not drying up. But I believe God's doing a work. And I'm so thankful to be a part of that work. Amen. And I want just to say this one thing. We talk about numbers and we talk about people coming in. And I just want to reiterate what Brother Mark Brown said Thursday night because I believe it's so relevant about what spirit are we of. When we talk about people coming in and young people coming in, it's not just about getting people on the pew. It's not about just getting more people in attendance, but it's about the attendance of the kingdom. It's about getting more people into the kingdom. So when we get excited about that, we get excited because there's another one. There's another one that's going to, they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They've been baptized and, and they're going to walk through those gates with us. That's why I get excited. That's why I get excited. Thank you all for your support. We love you and we appreciate you. We're thankful for what God's doing in our young people. That building's going to pay off. The sacrifice and the giving, the church pledges, we, we still, the pledges are still coming in, and it's, it's what we need to pay the note. I'm thankful for that. But those sacrificial pledges and giving to the building fund, it's paying off. We got young people starting to come, and young people are stirred up. It is truly the hour for the church. And everything points to He's coming back soon. Oh, I'm so thankful. Sunday school, youth, young people. I wanted Brother Dylan to give us a 
testimony of what took place at the, the meeting before they go to the back. I'm so thrilled to, to have AJ's family and friends here today. We're honored that he would come and celebrate this day of, of new covenant with AJ. When he went down in that water, Scripture says that God circumcised the heart was something that happened to AJ's heart when he went down in that water. Something a doctor can't do. God didn't give him a new valve. God didn't give him. He could. God didn't give him a new artery or vein. God could. But God, the scripture says, circumcised the heart. He cut away the old and he put something new there in place. I'm so thankful for the power of baptism. Mike here, glad to see you in the house of the Lord. Oh, thankful that you're well enough to be here praying for you and your recovery quickly to, to be the case. And uh, Brother Mike Fuser there slipped up to me. We prayed, I guess it was last week, Wednesday, I forget the day, but for a man that needed a touch, it was at the end of the road. And uh, we prayed, I know other people prayed, power of prayer worked. Brother Fusilier gave me a testimony. He's doing better and well. So God's doing the work in our midst. Our prayers are being heard. And God's responding. So somebody here today, don't quit praying. The enemy wants you and I to quit praying and saying it ain't working. Or he'll remind you of a prayer you prayed that didn't come to pass. And it's like the whole prayer time you got with God is trying to overcome what God didn't do. Why would God now do this? If he didn't do that, why would he? Folks, that's just human reality. But you know what? Pray without ceasing is what the Bible says. Leave the decision to God and just make your petition known to him. And if you can make your petition known to him, God has a way of making a way. Deuteronomy chapter 28. <clears throat> and Sister Tanya, have for me 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, I might not read it as a text, but I'm going to need it, starting with verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come on thee, overtake thee, if thou hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shall thou be in the city, blessed shall thou be in the field, blessed shall thou, blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, fruit of thy ground, fruit of thy cattle, the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Blessed shall they, blessed shall be thy baskets and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou come in. Blessed shall thou be when thou go out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. And they shall come out against me one way and flee. Now just a note. He just gave us a list of blessings. And then God says in all of that, the enemy's coming after you. He said, the Lord shall cause thy enemies to rise up again. In other words, they're coming and they're going to raise their head. In the midst of blessing, 
the enemy shows up. The Lord shall command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouse and in all that thou settest thy hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This is Moses' farewell address to the people, telling them, you got a lot of blessings coming, but there's going to be some battles to get the blessing. I want to preach to you today, the blessing is well worth the battle. Lift your hands one more time. Ask God to talk to us. Jesus, I thank you today for your help and strength. I thank you for your favor right now. God, move on our hearts, our mind, our spirit. Let it not just be another sermon, not just another sermon we hear. God, I'm asking you today, let it be word to the heart that would strengthen, encourage, empower. But let there be revelation, I pray, in the name of Jesus, we pray. God bless you, and you may be seated. You've heard me say this. But for sake of visitors, let me give them the backdrop so we're all on the same page. Deuteronomy is the last of the five first books of the Bible. Deuteronomy is the, I've called it, others have even termed it as such, the constitution for the children of Israel. It is the laying out of what was to be done but what God was going to do. It was telling them their responsibility to God. And if they kept their responsibilities and obedience unto the Lord, this is what God was going to do. And Moses stands to the occasion as he's closing out his life. He was not able to cross over into the promised land. Canaan is what they are referring to. And they're on the cuspus, they're at the threshold of crossing over into the promises of God in Canaan's land. Canaan, I've heard, or you've heard me say, Canaan is not a representation of heaven, but Canaan is a representation of abiding and dwelling and taking dominion. But God promised that if you'll do your part, and you will take dominion and you will fight the battles. I promise you that I will uphold my end of the bargain, that I will make sure that your vineyards are gonna be healthy, your cows are gonna be healthy, your body is gonna be healthy, your children are gonna be blessed. So he very clearly defines that there's gonna be blessings for you, but with it is gonna come a great battle that you're gonna have to face. We live in such a day now where we don't want any more fight. We don't want any more struggle. We don't want any more opposition. I would rather just come and just kind of be, be, be a Christian or I'd rather just come and, and sit on a pew and just kind of be a part of, a, of an assembly and, and let's just make peanut brittle and make a bunch of gumbos and have a couple carnivals in the year and everything's gonna be okay. But the fact of the matter is this, the coming of the Lord is very close and there's a battle for your soul and there's a battle for my soul. But there's a blessing that God has promised to you and I if I can keep the course 
and I can keep coming into the house of God and worship in the house of God and serve God and be obedient unto God. There's a blessing that he promises to you and I that I'm going to walk on streets of gold. I'm going to see a heavenly place that I've never seen before. That's the blessing. But there's going to be a battle for the blessing. So much today that wants to just say, man, why can't it be easy? Well, it is when you pick up the yoke of Christ. He said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Pick it up. Pick up the cross of Christ. He refers to it. You and I look at it from a human perspective. And these verses that Jesus talks about, it speaks of pain and misery. And I'm not advocating that you and I look forward to pain or look forward to misery. But yet in the midst of the pain and in the midst of the suffering and in the midst of the discomfort, there's still blessings that God has said he will give his people in the midst of it all. And now Moses is closing out to the people and he reminds them starting it out, Micah, he says, I'm going to bless you coming in, coming out. I'm going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your, your livestock. I'm going to bless the ground that you till up and that you plant. Because when you get to Canaan, Canaan is a land of blessing as much as it is a blessing or a place of battle. So many times we get intoxicated or we get weary because the battle that you and I face is so intense. The battle that I face in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, it's like no sooner I can come up for the day, have a good prayer, just me and God, and as soon as I come out, maybe something just comes out of nowhere. A mind, a thought, an action, a, something happens that I didn't expect, a, a calamity, a crisis, a valley that I, I find myself walking in that I didn't see was coming a week ago. And right then, the battle begins in the midst of all of that. What, what are you talking about? Are you picking up a gun, a machete? Are you picking? No, the battle to keep following God. See, we don't want to admit that part because we've been saved for 30 or 40 years. But I wish I had some people that's been living for God for 30 or 40 years like me that would get honest and say, you know what? I know it's getting greater as I get closer to him. But the battle's getting just as much as intense as I get closer to him. And he tells them in verse 6 of Deuteronomy, here's the blessings. Here's what I'm going to do for you. But in the midst of it, you're going to be blessed coming in. You're blessed going out. But watch. It just so happened when you come in, you're going to face a battle. And when you go out, you're going to face a battle. Brother Charlie, thank you for getting rid of them birds. Come on, somebody. We need to applaud Brother Charlie today. <laughs> you, my friend, high five my brother. <laughs> I saw the picture. I was waiting for camo and everything to show up. I'm glad we cleared house on that. See, he don't tell me that when I come in, see the next verse and the next one, go to seven. It's not a coincidence, he says, when you come in and you go out, I'm going to bless you. But the Lord... He's telling me the promise 
but he, he don't tell me what's going to come to fulfill that promise. He just says when you come in and you go out, your enemy is going to rise up. But you know what? I got that taken care of. And when I get up in the morning, it doesn't matter, Sister Peggy, if there is a whole entourage of, a, of, of the enemy coming against my mind, Micah. It doesn't matter what may, that day may be stocked with that I don't even know. His promise is this. If I keep moving to the promises and the land of Canaan that God's got for me, it doesn't matter what I may face in that day and the enemy that rises up. He's saying you're going to face them coming in and you're going to face them coming out. Your mind is going to be bombarded when you when you think your mind can't take another, another dose of a battle or another dose of... Your mind, folks, we're in the hour now where the mind is stretched in a thousand different directions. We're distracted. Our attention is being pulled in every direction today. But the battle that you and I face, the blessing far outweighs what I may go through because the promise is... You're going to be blessed coming in. And when you fight going in or you coming out, whichever it may be, there's going to be a blessing in the middle of all of that. And the blessing is this. God's always going to fight for you. God is always going to be on your side. God is going to rise to the occasion when you bought off, you bit off every fingernail and you feel like your nerves are pulled in 50 million directions. But if somewhere in the midst of that, I can remember or I can remind myself the blessing is always going to be worth the battle. It doesn't matter what I go through. The blessing of my son walking in the back door is well worth the battle. The blessing of getting the healing in my mind is well worth the battle. It's hard because we have adopted in this hour a mindset that wants the least to get by. Come on, I wish somebody would be honest. I asked some of the old timers, you work till seven o'clock, that, not that generation, the younger generation. I want his least. You try to find workers nowadays. Come on. They're there for one reason, a paycheck. They're not there for the battle. They're not there to try to grow your business. And they're not there because they got you at best interest at heart. They don't care really about you and I. They care about one thing on Friday. Don't be late with my check. And if, I'm, if you're late with my check, I got a problem. We have adopted a mindset now in our younger generation that don't want the battle. They don't want some of these things. But here's the thing. It's by which the battle that brings the blessing. If you don't have the battle, you're not going to appreciate the blessing. If you and I don't understand, there's some things you got to fight for. There's some things you got to roll up your sleeve and fight for. But let me assure you, the blessing that God brings to you is well worth the cut. It's well worth the scrape. It's well worth the fatigue and the weariness of mind that you and I face every time. If I ask Sister Betty and ask some of the older ones, is it worth living for God? He wouldn't change one thing, would you? Is your life perfect? Absolutely not. 
Is everything like you want it to be, Sister Axonis? Absolutely not. Is there kids you want to see in the house of God? Absolutely so. Is the battle still raging? Yes, it is. But tell this church, but the blessing of God is far more greater upon me and upon my family and upon my home and upon my children. Because here's what you and I don't understand. As long as you and I stay in the fight, they're still living. As long as you and I stay in the fight, you've got breath enough to pray another prayer that God would heal them when they got in that car wreck, that God would touch them when their lives are falling apart. You are the venue and the road to the blessing of God for them. He says, go back to that verse. The enemy, when he shows up in the battle, he said, the Lord shall cause thine enemies that will rise up. It's coming. Whether you got God or not, watch, let me just make a little reasoning with somebody right here. Why wouldn't you want the Holy Ghost? Why wouldn't you want to be baptized in Jesus' name? You're not joining the church. You're coming in covenant with God. Repent, be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you. The blessing is unto you. It's your choice. So here's my reason. He said, that will rise up or that rise up against you. It's coming one way or another. I choose whether I face it alone or I face it with God. And I don't know about you, Brother John, but I need more Jesus today than I needed yesterday. I need more Jesus today than I even needed when I got the Holy Ghost 30 years ago. I need more Jesus now, and I'm going to need more by the end of the day because the battle is just going to intensify, and I need more of God now than I've ever That's the blessing. <laughs> to know him. I don't have to figure out how many gods there are. Thank God he's given me enough. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. Got to be good. <laughs> Thank God I have enough teaching to know I don't have to turn to the sun God. I don't have to turn to the Buddha God. I don't have to turn to the Confucius God. But I know one, the name of Jesus. When you say Jesus, you just called the creator of the universe into your world. Let me make it real simple for somebody. If he spoke and a heaven showed up, a earth showed up, a sun showed up, a moon showed up. If he could just speak, then how hard would it be for him just to speak into your situation? And what Whatever is not there, God could begin to create that and begin to move. That's the blessing of living for him. But sometimes there's a battle. A battle of the mind, a battle of the heart, a battle of the spirit, a battle for you and I just to hold on. Folks, our country's in a battle. Our world is in a battle. I just... God, one little thing, I didn't even read the whole thing. It come up on my phone. said something about something happened in some country. And we got 20 U.S. people that now have a neurological uh, infection. I don't know how true it is. You, you don't know what's real or what's not real, Sister Gail. But they said that it could have been a microwave emissions that the Russians emitted over our embassy. And we got 200 Americans now that are dizzy and falling over and they can't. 
and there's no cure and they don't know what to do. Is it true? Who knows? But just what if? The battle's not going to stop. It's not going to end. You say, well, Benoit, man, you're making me fearful. You're making me worried. Not if you got God. That only is going to make the fearful of heart those that don't have a relationship with God or struggle in their walk with God. But when you and I understand, if I can sometimes just hold, my walk might not be a run or I might not be running. I might not even be doing very well in prayer. But at least I can stand and say, God, the blessing is still going to be greater. I might not know what in the world's going on, but you promise that there's a blessing that when my enemy rises up in front of me and fear comes to my heart, home and worry comes to my home and doubt comes to my home and depression comes to my home you can rise up and declare God is with me and the blessing of God is going to sustain me folks we're not dealing with terrorists we're dealing with terrorists of the mind and the way that you and I combat that is through our praise our worship our living for God our serving God, that's how we combat it. Go to the next verse. He said, I'm going to make them go out one way. They're going to leave seven ways. Here it is. Anybody catch just the first part? And the Lord will do what? You remember me talking a minute ago about God creates things? He commands things. He said in, the, in Job, he said, I'm the one, Brother Sean, that drew the line in the sand for the oceans. He said, I told the Pacific, they didn't have that name back then, but that body of water, I drew a line and said, you can't come no further. He leaned over to the Atlantic and said, you can't come no further. He turned to the Gulf of Mexico and said, you can't come no further. See, God created that. And if God can draw a line in the sand, what makes you and I I think that he can't draw a line in the sand against cancer, against hopelessness. It doesn't matter how many we lose to cancer or not. The blessing of living for God is still greater. And the Lord shall command the blessing. It doesn't say, Cody, that he is going to join in with all the angels and counsel with them. God's sovereign. What that means is God can make his own decision when he wants to. And he don't have to counsel with anybody, Brother Smith. He don't have to ask nobody's permission. He can just do what he wants to do. But here's the power in it. He just reaches out and commands the blessing on you and I. So if I fight the battle that I fight in my mind, my heart, my living for God, and I just keep Moving, you say, oh, man, you call it battle means gore and 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 it, that's negative. No, 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 no. You need to understand. As long as you live for God, there's always going to be something against your faith. We've adopted a mindset that once I live for God, everything's going to be peachy. No, 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 no. Living for God sometimes even makes you a more of a target. Because the enemy knows you've made a stance and a proclamation. God's on my side. And the enemy heard that, so now he's going to do everything in his power to rebuttal that or cause that to be a falsehood. Everything under the sun wants to come against you and against your family and against your kids. Why? Because God pulled you out of something and now has established you in something, and the enemy don't take that easy. So he launches an assault, an aerial assault, a ground assault. He's going to launch an assault. Why? Because 
Because if he can discourage you, if he can frustrate you, if he can make you to say, you know what, this ain't worth it. I'm here to declare to you, thus saith the Lord, the blessing is always worth the battle. The blessing of God is always the best road for you and I to take, regardless of the battles I face in life. I said it before. I choose. You chose, Micah. I'd rather face my battles and inner struggles of life. I'd rather face them with God than alone. That's the testimony of the elders. Fighting stuff back then. We think anything's new under the sun. All the battles they fought then, domestic abuse, it was back then. Domestic abuse, violence, it was all back then. There's nothing new under the sun. The battles and the struggles, the weariness and the frustrations that come to life, the addictions that, that people are facing today. There's nothing new under the sun. It was still there. The abuse that takes place, it's nothing new. So when the enemy rises up, if I can remind myself, as long as I stay in the battle, it keeps the command of God over my life. If you don't hear nothing else I say today, hear this. Fight the battle in the good fight of faith because why? It keeps the command of God. What's the command, Sister Peggy? It's the authority. What's the authority? It's the ability of God to look down into your world and say enough is enough. And it has to obey. If the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean, I don't care how many tidal waves they say is coming. I don't care how many tsunamis are coming, Brother Sean. They can come and wash everything away. But you watch, that tide is going to recede again because there's one thing holding it in place. His command and the authority of God that says you cannot go no further. I wish somebody right now would let the gift of faith operate because God's trying to tell you, I've got a command over you. And the enemy can just go so far. He can just do so much. You think that kid's lost and God's got it right where he wants him. You think your family's in disarray and God's got it right where he wants him. That the command of God can be loose and change that situation. It's his authority. The president walked in this place and he said, I declare... It's done. He's the president. Is, there, is God not greater? I ain't got time to qualify analogies. But you think of people that carry authority. The sheriff, when the sheriff walks in, whether you like him or you don't like him, he's going to walk in carrying authority. Regardless of that badge, you know him by name. And we know God by name. And when I declare the name of Jesus, it causes the command. Hurry, let's go to 2 Timothy. I got to quit. Y'all got command now? Now watch what Paul tells Timothy. Remember, Moses is closing it out. This is the end. He can't go over. He's telling them what to remember. He's reiterating. He's repeating himself. He's a good preacher. He's saying the same thing over and over. That's what they say about us. Old boy said, yeah. That's it. And the comment back to that was, well, if you'd have caught it the first time, I wouldn't have to say it again. 
be a doer of the word of God and not just a hearer. I charge thee there before God. Here's Paul telling Timothy. Timothy's a pastor of Ephesus, church of over 50,000 people. They're house to house. They come together. And Paul is telling Timothy, here's the same principle. Paul is ending, Brother Joe. He's closing out his hour. It's over for Paul. He's in under house arrest. He's, he, he's sitting there for two years. He can't leave. He's incarcerated. And his last words is to Timothy, his son in the gospel, his young protege, his, the one he was mentoring and training to, to take over Ephesus. Paul came in as an apostle and just wreaked havoc in the spirit world and pulled down strongholds and principalities and said, now I've conquered it by the authority of an apostle and now I'm turning it over to you, Timothy, as a pastor. And he says, boy, I charge you before God who shall judge the quick and the dead appearing in his kingdom. Next verse. Preach the word in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with long suffering. He tells him, son, you better give it everything you got. That's what he's saying. He goes from reprove to rebuke to exhort to long suffering and doctrine. He covers every base. He said, when you go to that pulpit and preach, he said, you better give it everything you got. Why? Why? Why we got to have such preachers that are just so loud? Ooh. I felt a little hoom right there in my side. Brother Jared, turn that down. My God, you're he's so loud. I need to teach you a lesson on the, uh, the, what preaching is. The man came, I'll give you just in a nutshell, Sister Gail. When the king had a message, he said, here, you're my heralder. I need you to go to the court of the city. He stood in the very center of the court of the city. And that man had the responsibility of no PA, no megaphone, nothing, Brother Sean, but his voice. And he was bearing the message of a king of urgency. So he stands in the court and with everything he has, he declares the message of urgency from the king. So we would ask the question, why is preaching got to be so loud? There's an urgency coming through in the spirit. I'm not saying that there ain't a time for just talking and just teaching. I get all of that. But when it comes time to preach the word of God, he said, except by the foolishness of preaching, that radical, passionate, unwavering preaching is what causes you and I to be shaken out of our comfort zone and realize there's a God that's for you in the battle. Let's go to the next verse. I'm going to preach that. For the time will come. Here it is. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. You know what itchy is? That ain't getting rolling in poison ivy. Itchy means a tendency to be drawn to pleasure. He said, Timothy, there's going to be a day, Brother Charlie, that you're going to preach and all they want is pleasure. They don't want to hear sound doctrine. They don't want to hear reprove, rebuke. They don't want to hear any of these things because it causes them to realize their fallen condition. He said, they've got pleasurable hearing is the proper translation. Next verse. And they shall turn away their ears from truth. 
He said, because they're so indoctrinated, they're so indoctrinated or consumed with pleasure, they're going to turn from the battle. Because you see, here's the thing. If I accept truth, that might mean my family's been wrong. I've heard many people see this teaching Bible studies. I've taught Bible studies, hundreds and hundreds of Bible studies. And, and inevitably, one of the questions will come up. And this will be the question. If I accept that truth in God's word, where Peter stood that day and said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If, they, if I embrace that truth, that means, if that is salvation and I embrace that, then that means my mom and daddy may be lost. That's what they'll say. And here's my answer back to that. You don't know that. You don't know if they were baptized and have gotten the Holy Ghost. And you're basing your whole salvation upon what you think your mom and daddy or brother or aunt might have done. You got to base it on what God's telling you and that you don't turn away from truth. Because if, if I accept this truth, I got a battle on my hands is what many people say. See, because there's a battle when you embrace truth. He said, and they shall be turned to fables. Here's what fables means, stories. We'd rather hear people tell stories in a pulpit than we'd hear the word of God. I'm all for parables. Jesus taught them, but he taught a parable and he was done and he related a heavenly meaning. I'm talking about things that just don't have no substance to it. Just tell a story and a story and a story and never use the word of God nowhere in that story. He's saying, that's what you're going to, there's a battle going on, Timothy, and you need to be ready for it because they're just wanting to hear stories to please their hearing and they're turning away from truth. Next verse. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of a, and make foolproof. The word foolproof, what he's referring to is, you got to finish this task. You got a battle on your hand, Timothy, and if you don't fight, for this, you're going to lose your own salvation. Musicians, come. Stay with me, Sister Tanya. Go to the next verse. For I am now ready. Now, here's Paul. And Paul just told Timothy, there's going to be a battle in this. You're the pastor of Ephesus, and there's going to be a struggle. And not everybody's going to believe truth because there's an element of pleasure that's going to be pulling them away because they just want to hear a story because they don't want the word. And he said, but if you'll just keep the course in the battle, make foolproof your ministry. Don't waver, don't back down. He said, here it is, Timothy. It, it, it astounds me, Brother Roger. He gives him the scenario, but now Paul says, my time's, it's over. My departure's at hand. Next verse. I fought a good fight. Now, last time I checked, Brother Roger, the word fight means a struggle. Is there anybody here that get honest and say, I'm struggling? Come on, somebody. I'm the preacher and I'm raising my hand. That previous verse in there that we just read where it talks about afflictions, if you go back to it, you don't have to. If you want to, you can back in verse five. It talks about the affliction. It's talking about enduring that word affliction. You find the root word, it's having to do with the mind. 
And what Paul's trying to tell Timothy is, you got to keep, make your ministry, keep the course that you got because the battle's going to be in your mind when they don't receive truth. How many of us here today could say, man, I raised my kid in the word of God and they're not here. And the battle you and I are facing is not so much a battle with them. It's a battle in our mind saying, will God save them? Will God not save them? And the battle's in our mind saying, will God really do what he said? He Does God really mean what he said? And we could even go further and say, does it really take all that to be saved? And the battle's in our mind. I'm going to tell you like the Lord told me and like Paul told Timothy. Go to 6 now when he says, I finished it. My departure's at hand. Next verse. I fought a good fight. Timothy, there's going to be a battle in your mind until the end. And you say, well, Benoit, you're being so negative. No, I'm being a realist. If we don't identify these issues in us, we can never guard ourselves against them. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've he said, I've been in a battle. Next verse. Henceforth, the blessing, it's worth it. He said, there's a laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous, and give to me, and not only to me, but unto all of those that are waiting and loving. The battle can't take my faith. The battle can't take my joy. My kids can't take my joy. My life cannot take my joy. My difficult valley cannot take my joy. Why? Because I'm waiting on him. There's a blessing that's going to say, it's going to be worth it all. You say, Benoit, and do you take a monster drink before preaching? No. No Red Bull. None of them big old green cans. I've seen them. They're so tall, man. I don't drink none of them. I don't drink none of them little five-hour energy drinks. Nothing. What you see is me saying, it will be worth it. You can still smile and say, it's going to be worth it. You can tear my old body down. You can COVID me. You can nuclear microwave me. You can apocalyptic me. You can nuclear bomb me. I don't care what you do, but you can't take this joy. You can't take my love for him. You can't take my praise unto him. We decide what we give the enemy. I'm preaching to somebody today. Don't you give the enemy one iota. Don't you give him one thing. You give God everything and you let the blessing that God's commanded to come to you and I bring to pass the promises. Stand with me. Keep that verse. Go to the next one just real quick and I'm done. You do thy diligence to come shortly to me. Next verse. And I stop. For Demas, watch, here it is. I'm going to come back and preach the message about Demas. Just remind me. It's a good, good message. It talks about why people walk away from truth. Why they walk away. It's not because they're a devil. It's not because they're bad people. 
it's because they never got a love for it or allowed a love of truth to get a hold of them. It, they never allowed truth to love them like it's intended to do. He said, demons forsaken me, having spent and loved this present world. Remember I talk about the pleasure? Demons heard me preach and teach. But somewhere in the battle, demons thought I could do this on my own and left God and went and fought it on his own. I wish I could have came to Demas that day, Brother Roger, and I could have just grabbed him and shook him and said, Demas, did you just hear what Paul told Timothy? It will be worth it. There's a crown of righteousness. I make heaven my home. It's going to be worth it. So to somebody today, Calvary, Jesus had to go by himself. You know why? Because the battle of Calvary was too great. And he went by himself. There's some things you got to do by yourself, yeah. But then there's sometimes God's looking for a church that will say, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I trust you. And if I trust him, there's commanded authority that comes from my behalf. That gives me hope. Because, Brother Joe, there's sometimes I command things to happen. And you know what? Nothing works. It don't work. <laughs> I command it to go. And it just looks at me and laughs at me. But see, if I can get God involved, it has to go. And the battle can be won. We sang about it here a while ago. There's battle, but there's victory in the battle. Is there anybody here today that wants to let him know, God, this has been a battle. I'm struggling. I, folks, we're facing this whole, I mean, I don't want to get into it, but we got the whole world now, COVID in again, and this all this junk starting to come back up again. The battle is weary. The battle is frustrating. But the promises and the victory is sure. Is there anybody here today that would step out of that aisle today and just say, Jesus, I've been in a battle. I'm in one today. But you know what? The blessing is far more greater than if I would have never heard this gospel. I'd have never heard this truth. I'd have never heard what God could do in my life. Come on, lift your hands as you come right now. Lift your voice right now. Lift your hands, lift your voice. It's a beautiful message Wednesday night about the arms of God. God's trying to tell us again on this Sunday morning. The battle's intense. The battle ain't going to go away. Trouble. Trouble. Started when you and I took our first breath. That trouble will always be around, but there's rest in Jesus. There's rest in following Christ. There's rest in serving God. My rest is in Him from the battle. The battle stays, but he can give me rest in the battle. Because I realize this battle's not mine, it's his. I'm fighting for the cause of Christ. Surrender right now. 
surrender my family. I surrender my hope, my heart. God, I'm worried right now. I don't know what's going to happen in my family. God, I need you to take this. Come on, somebody. I'm reaching for somebody right now. You're carrying a heavy load, and God is only telling you, I can help you in this, but you got to give it to him. you got to give it to him. Transfer it from your chest. That heaviness and anxiety, transfer it to him. God, I need you to take this. 